Let's get real. Who wants to have another surface level conversation? Not us. I'm Samantha. And I'm Christian. Two friends having raw but truth-filled conversations about the messiness of life. So buckle up and don't be shy. Because, yep, we're We're going going there. Okay, hello, guys. We are here with our first episode of our new series called Where Is Jesus Locked Out? I'm so excited to start this series. I know. I'm so excited. We had our intro episode last week, and we got to have Becky on because she really like helped us kind of think through this series, and it's going to be fun. We're trying something a little bit new where typically Christian and I both prep for a topic and come in and kind of like combine our own thoughts and like go back and forth. We are going to be splitting these up two and two. So like one of us is going to be kind of leading the conversation more and kind of teaching to Christian too, and then vice versa. And so we're hoping that's a cool format. And then Christian can, you know, interject and ask questions. So if you hear one of us talking a lot more on certain episodes, that's why. But I'm excited to try this new format out. I know. I'm excited. We talked about this in our intro episode, but I think we are just really excited about the series because honestly, this series is kind of the genesis of why we started this podcast in the first place, that we really wanted to dive into topics that wanted to be thoughtful and proactive and just gospel-centered in how we approach, how we live out our faith in Jesus. And so we're excited to kind of dive into more specific areas of that, that we really think are just easy to pass by if we're not intentional about it. So And I think if anything, these four topics that we're going to be kind of talking about do encompass a lot of things, but it's also a time for you to start reflecting like, oh, are there any areas that I've kept Jesus out of that I have like made mine and not let go to him? And I think it can happen in two ways, like either intentionally where you kind of live out this faith where you're like, well, you know what? I want to believe in Jesus and I believe in most of the things the Bible says. And I definitely want the benefits of knowing God, but there are certain things that I just can't get on board with. So that would be to me more of an intentional way that you lock Jesus out. But I think in our own lives, there's like, a lot of ways that we can wake up and realize like, oh, I have been clinging on to this and I'm starting to see the like negative fruit of that in my life because I haven't fully given this yeah, to God. It's almost like the symptoms of yeah, that. I think symptoms. in a lot of those conversations we're talking through like, hey, these are some of the symptoms you're going to be feeling and we want to be people and need to be people who are able to assess ourselves, assess our hearts and minds and say, really, have I give Jesus access to that area in my life? Or actually, have I kind of locked it away and not given him permission to reign and rule and be sovereign in that area of my life? Yeah. So we're jumping right in. And it's not supposed to be easy. And so we're going to start with the first week. And we are titling this one, I've Locked Jesus Out of Who I Am. And it feels really vague at first, but I just thought we for sure have to start with like ourself. And when I say ourself, I'm kind of like referring to like our being, our soul, like our heart, like our wants, our desires. So we're going to go through some examples, but it's like you can't really start with the series, I think, until we address ourselves, because in our culture, we more than ever are focused on like looking inward and like making our life about ourselves. And when you read scripture, I think it even seeps into Christian culture. Like I reposted, did you see the other day I reposted on the going there Instagram? It was like a video from Glennon Doyle. But actually why I saw it, I think, you know how on Instagram now, I mean, the algorithm just keeps getting smarter and smarter. Like, I think the reason it popped up on my page is because a lot of my friends had like liked that video. And so then I happened to go click on her page and I looked at who I follow that follows her. Cause you know, you can see that. Like if you click her followers, it shows you. 
And I was really shocked at like the amount of people. And I'm not saying she's like a horrible person, but it's these like little pieces of like truthisms that sound really good that when you peel back the layers, you're like, okay, that's actually not truthism. That's good. Is that a word? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think so, but it's good. Ongoing there it is. Yeah. So anyways, I'm just like, wow, we can so easily get swept up in that. A skewed way. I think that's what Mm -hmm. a lot of these things that we're going to unpack too are just small skewed things from the truth. I mean, we've all heard kind of the example of like shooting towards true north. And really when we get just a tiny bit off of true north, we are going to see, again, going back to those symptoms, we're going to see symptoms that are way far from truth down the road. But we don't see those when we're just a tiny bit off truth. And so we're going to unpack some of those. That's good. Yeah. Okay. So we're starting the series with ourselves, And it's kind of like we can love Jesus and say we're following him, but where are we keeping him out of? Like, are we keeping him out of who we genuinely are? Are we making decisions in and for our lives that honor our own desires more than what God is asking of us or telling us, I want you to live this way? It's like, well, yeah, I don't really want to. So I'm going to just like keep that. So kind of jumping into some examples and you can jump into if you have comments on any of these questions. But no, you're teaching me, Samantha. Okay. Do you, have, <laughs> do you want to take notes? Yeah, I'm taking notes. Okay. Give me my test later. I should do like a little quiz. I'm just kidding. Like who listen like on stories, like make uh, have it be like a multiple <laughs> yes. choice. Okay. So I was thinking like our world is fixated on everything self-centered and we're really in this age of like self-discovery. And I want to be careful because I definitely don't think there's anything wrong. I actually associate it a lot of times with like maturing in life is like it is important to know who you are. And I look back, I mean, my husband and I were out at dinner last night celebrating our eighth anniversary and we got married when I was 20 and he was 22. And it's like we were just laughing at some of the ways that we like thought we should do life and how we really didn't know ourselves. Like we were so little and like babies and just like figuring out the world and like who we were. And I don't think there's anything wrong with like trying to figure out who you are and like what your passions and your desires are. But I think our world now puts such an emphasis on like discovering who you are that it almost becomes what we worship. Like I've got to figure out who I am or like I've heard of crazy stories of people like quitting jobs or, you know, you hear about people leaving their family for someone else because they're like, well, that's, I realized, I think that was Glennon Doyle's story, right? Like she was like in this relationship and had kids, this marriage to a man. And then she was like, that's not who I am. And is now, you know, married to a woman and like kind of went through this season of this major enlightenment kind of. And so I think that's so hyper-focused on that we can then start, it's like, okay, well then how do we figure out who we are? Well, we have to look then to the world to tell us because we're like, I don't know. So let me take this personality test. Let me like become my best self. I'm going to like wipe out everything about me in the old way and become like this skinnier, healthier, whole 30-er, like whatever it is version of myself. And I'm going to like be mentally really healthy. And it's like, it's so weird how that is really identical to what happens when we start following Jesus because we are made new. Like there's so many scripture that the old has gone, the new has come when you start walking with Jesus, but we're almost doing it in our own way. And I do think at the end of the day, you're still going to be like your new best version of yourself, I don't think is going to hit that mark for you. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? So good. I'm literally sitting here. I'm actually taking notes. So, but I'm sitting here thinking, I mean, again, this is going there point one or whatever I'm trying to say. But I'm like, we talk all the time about the tension of what does it look like to it's okay to like discover things about yourself and look into and learn more about who you are. But are you looking at that as the ultimate 
passion of your life, the ultimate thing you want to chase, the ultimate, I need this before I can be satisfied. And I think that's where the line is drawn because my husband and I were in counseling just the other day and he was kind of arguing with our counselor because I was saying like, I think you need to dig into that of your past. Like, and he's like, honestly, he like asked our counselor, he's like, honestly, like, what's the point of digging into it though? Like, why can't I just like start here and then like let's talk about how to move forward I'm that's like, well, such I think, a like man thing yes, to and say i'm like too. well i think part of like i was like that's management one-on-one like part of like understanding the why helps you move forward better so i was like i think it's good to know a little bit like learning more about yourself knowing We're your not tendencies saying, yeah yeah we are for sure not saying it's not bad to be like hey i'm like really trying to learn more about myself right now but am i looking to that as an ultimate or like the thing i need to be happy and i'm constantly chasing over anything else and can you learn about yourself through the lens of the bible and like scripture and tools that we have from jesus versus like i just need to do every single i mean i've done a lot of personality tests they're fun they're enlightening they help you learn about yourself but like am i worshiping those things as like this is what i have to do okay so that's kind of the first example oh i also wanted to mention this one like the kind of phrase of i deserve the best for myself or like i need to be making choices that serve me again all of these are nuanced because like if you're sitting here saying like i'm in a season of really peeling back both christian and like peeling back our schedules and stuff. So like there are practical boundaries I'm trying to set of saying like that isn't like the best. And I guess I could use the lingo of like that's not serving my family the best right now in this season. Like my daughter's starting kindergarten next year. Like I really want to be intentional about our schedule. Like again, some of these things are not like bad things, but then we start worshiping them. It's like going back to my example of people. I've heard women say like, well, I just was unhappy in my marriage and like, I deserve the best life. Like I'm going to leave and go find that. And so that's actually like not what we're called to do. Another way that we see it play out is kind of in what I'm calling like the American dream of just this idea of like working tirelessly to please and become something for those around you. So it's really just like wanting to achieve success and like climb up the ladder for what? For what? You know, like for literally what? for what? For you what? Know? <laughs> no, I said it like that on purpose, by the way. I did. No, that's actually dogs. I saw a meme the other day that was like some mom I follow that also has a big career said something like her boss told her one time, which sounds like a cool boss, you know, at the end of your life when you're on your hospital bed, you're not going to care how many like managers you let down because you like missed this meeting or how you did in your career. But it's going to be like, what did my family think about me or like people yeah. that were close how did to I me? Love people? Yeah. How did I love people? And so but we're so I mean, we've all drank the Kool-Aid. I mm-hmm. mean, we have all drink the Kool-Aid. I mean, we personally talk about this in our friend group all the time. I mean, I think it's easy to say like, what job can I get next to make the most money? Or what connection can I make to set me up for my next business deal better? Or, I mean, that is, it is the American dream of like, we're like, what house are you going to buy next? How many garages is it going to have? Oh, are you guys going to put in a pool? Like, I mean, it's all these things. They're like, that's what we talk about. That's literally what we spend our time, you know, chasing a lot of times. And again, not wrong things, but when we're worshiping those things or we're not going to God with, you know, my husband and I have been in a season where he's been really challenged. Like, Lord, like, what do you want me to do with my career? Like, is this just for selfish thing? Because it's, I mean, we, this would be a whole different episode. It's not wrong to want to make money and like be successful, especially when you're coming from a place of like wanting then to bless and serve others with those resources. It's not wrong to want to have a fun, beautiful pool that like you can use to like host and serve and whatever. But it's like, are are we doing these things to get the benefit of that? Or are we doing these things because we're genuinely feeling like, okay, this is where God's placed me and I want to run here really well. Yeah. And are we doing this so that I can have the identity from others? Like people identify me as, oh, they're the successful one. They're the one who's really well off. 
again, I think you have to check your heart motive, which again, it's all fuzzy and gray and hard. That one's a big one. Okay. And then this one I think is interesting. So am I keeping God out of who I am in the way that I escape or indulge? And we've done many episodes on these type of things in the past, but I was thinking about like, I mean, there's more alcohol abuse and drug use. I was looking up statistics. I'm not going to like say them all, but like you can Google like more alcohol and drug abuse than ever before. I mean, some of the drugs that now they're creating because it's just like the other drugs are not enough. Like I sound like such a mom prude right now, but it's like they're literally like creating new drugs because people need to be able to escape to something and like have some high, have some experience, like drink so much wine that you can just forget the day you had or like can't go into social situations without consuming something to make their brain shut down. It's like we don't want to face kind of like what your husband was saying. Sometimes we don't want to dig into the actual problem. We want to like numb it. And that I think is for sure keeping God out of like figuring out who you are or like letting him have any reign in your life. It's scary how normalized that is. Uh I mean, I think it's scary how normalized that type of indulging or type of escaping is. It's like we almost laugh at it. Like someone's like, oh, yeah, I had a really bad day at work. So I just went home and like drank a whole bottle of wine. It's like, what? And it's like that is kind of a normal thing. Yeah. And so it's like, what are we doing Mm -hmm. here, people? Yeah. So mind numbing through shows. We've definitely talked about that before, like stuffing emotions, the way that we twist reality to fit our own narrative. Oh, my gosh. Like I was just thinking about how like so many words and like phrases that have become a part of our culture and conversation that it's like, don't you think our like great grandparents would be so flabbergasted and like laughing? Like the one I was thinking of when I wrote that was the my truth kind of situation. Well, like that's just not how it happened to me. And like, okay, again, there is reality that we like all perceive things differently. And the way that I take things sometimes is not the way people meant them. And like, we want to try to have the best, you know, view of someone or like think the best, but it's like, We also can twist that into our own thing. Going back to that marriage situation, I was like, this was like a celebrity, so it's no one close. But like saying these people had this like beautiful long marriage and would have said everything was great. And then one event happened, they divorced. And then it's like you look back and you're like, well, actually, like all of this was a lie. And it's like, well, was it or did it just get bad as the year? Like both things can be true. So I think we do that a lot. And that's the way we kind of escape reality too is just saying like well that's not really what happened or I don't know okay and then the final one that I want to hit on and again there's so many others we could go down but is just the idea of like we control and like block God out of how we view our bodies like body image and then health and fitness and we are just in a culture that's so obsessed with self like everything is about like I'm hesitant to even say this because as someone who has like chronic health issues like I think I hear a lot of people say, like, if you have one thing wrong with your body, like, you need to go get that fixed. Like, you deserve to, like, not have pain or, like, figure out that root cause of something. Like, that is true and right. Like, we have access to modern healthcare, and, like, me more than anyone is, like, so grateful for that. But I think sometimes we can also use that as this thing of, like, if there's one ounce of pain... I should have a solution. And sometimes there are things that go on in our bodies that like, that's just how they are. Like there's going to be pain in in these physical bodies. Like there's going to be ailments. And like that brings up another point of like obsessing about like everything we consume to try to like avoid later in life potential illnesses. And like, again, please hear me. Like I try to eat clean. Like I don't want to get cancer again. Like I want to 
you know, have my body in a way that I can live as long as possible, because I do think that's the way that God has asked us to like use our body as a temple and honor him. But don't you think it's like gone over the edge to this obsession now? Yeah. I mean, this jumps me back to other conversations we've had on the podcast, too. But it's insane to me the amount of just people and time and money and thought in our culture right now that we spend on this idea of like anti-aging. I mean, all of us try to just like pause or not age or when you go to the Bible, (laughs) how many times does it talk about wisdom paired with age that all these people who are older in age have wisdom that comes with age that they're it's honorable yes it's, it's honorable their skin is wrinkly it's tattered their hair is long they look old and it's like we try so hard in this culture now to stop everything about that when actually when you look at the bible it's very different and just describes that really differently and so are we people who are obsessing over Yeah, just want to look a certain age and feel a certain age for the rest of my life. Or are we saying like, no, I can step down from this. I can have humility in this area of like, oh, my body doesn't function how. And I love like all the caveats you've put there. Obviously, there is a benefit to like eating well and staying fit and wanting health for your body and wellness. And so all of these things, again, there's tension in that, that we have to chase those things. But where does that line get crossed that we're actually saying, no, Jesus, but like, I'm still going to do all these things to really actually not let you in to what I really think about myself and how I look. Yeah. So like obsessed with self in a physical sense. I also think in like a deeper sense, like I feel like everyone around me is so desperate right now to be seen, known and loved. Like and that's the core of any person. And I'm sure that's been the story throughout history. But like, I just think people are willing to go to really extreme lengths now to be seen and known. I mean, think about all of the like AI now. I mean, the fact that they've done some like studies on certain chat boxes already where it's like, can I get this AI person to like start kind of mimicking emotion and like connecting and like people are so desperate for connection and they look for it in all the wrong places like they want that through whether it's like sexual experiences of like a one night stand or like you'll literally like look past any wrongdoings of a person just to like feel some kind of connection but then you're not thinking through like in two weeks that's going to really hurt you or whatever it is I just think that that's also part of like being obsessed with self and not wanting to let God into that and say like, no, I created you and I want to know you and like I want to meet those needs for you. And then the last one I wanted to mention, too, is just like having a deep sense of control with our bodies and like that kind of goes back to the health thing. Like I genuinely think we live in a culture where like you can buy any supplement, you can take any pill. I mean, opazemic. Is that how you say it? I don't know how you say it. Like the other one, it's like. I remember people joking like I remember like growing up and people being like if only there was like a shot you could take that would make you lose weight or like lose all there's literally a shot now and it's like we just have access to so much and I think we can convince ourselves that then we are in control of the future with that like you said Mm -hmm. the aging the health and wellness or even our I think even our emotional and spiritual health, like, oh, if I just like do these yoga retreats, Mm -hmm. I will be in a good place. And like, I then can like choose my own destiny. Like I will be the best version of myself. Or if I just do counseling enough, like all my problems will be like gone away, you know, and I will be such a just like healthy version. And 
I just am seeing this in so many ways play out. So, okay, that's kind of the problem. That's like what we're seeing in our culture. So many we didn't mention, but so many. a yeah. lot of the problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then where does this leave us? Like ultimately empty because we can do all these things. We can chase all these things. But I think what we're having to realize is that God created us. So if we want to get to know ourselves And I do think this is countercultural because even in Christian faith, like I think people can look at Christians as like this is a piece of evidence of making us look wacky that we would need to know Jesus deeper than to know ourselves better. And again, I think that puts a weird thing of like, well, you're just like in this you're like a robot that just wants to look to this like old book for answers or this like imaginary person for answers. And it's like, no, I mean, if you're listening to this and you're a Christian, if you're not, it's a whole different story. And like, this doesn't apply to you then. But if you believe in God and think that he's a real person, that that means you believe he created you, which means that who would know you better than your creator? Mm -hmm. I mean, no one, no one could know you better. Like even with our own children, if you have biological children, it's like, that's you and your spouse's DNA. You watch them from birth grow up. You know, every little personality trait they have or weird thing quirk that they do, but it's like, they have their own brain. They have their own intelligence that develops. Like no one else on planet earth can know you better than your creator. And so I think we have to say, if we want to get to know who we are, there's so much freedom in saying like, well, I'm going to press into Jesus and like, let him reveal to me like who he wants me to be versus like searching all these things and like building myself up in that way. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to pursue that harder and faster and longer than these other things that I'm going to wake up with a desire to want to chase those things because I am feeling empty in this area. And I know what can fill me is my creator. I'm feeling desperate or alone or not seen in this area. I know that can fill me. Well, my creator, like he is the one who is all loving, all knowing, all encompassing of like everything that we need, which is amazing. Yeah. Gives me a lot of peace and freedom then to be like, God, who do you want me to be? Like grow me into that person, like reveal that to me. It's interesting, like when I said the thing about we all, I think, have this deep, deep desire to be loved and known. Everyone out there, like I think, is looking to some sort of like finding some sort of purpose in life. And that I don't think was by coincidence. Like that is by design that we were created to worship something. And I'm going to get more into that. Like we were created to worship something. And I'm seeing right now in our culture, it's like this worship of self versus like worshiping the creator. I wanted to share, I think we've all seen the videos. Like I think that, oh my gosh, why am I blanking on his name right now? Giselle and Tom Brady. Like there's a famous video of him that he was in an interview. And have you ever seen that video? No. They're like, okay, you're married to a supermodel. You have beautiful kids. You've won. How? I mean, at the time, I don't remember how many Super Bowls. This is the interviewer saying all this. He goes, what's next for Tom Brady? What do you want to do next? And you just, the camera zooms in on his face and it's just this like really blank stare. And he's like, you know, I have all the things that I would have ever wanted in life. I have everything that everyone around me could only dream about wanting. And he's like, I just have this nagging feeling when I wake up every morning that there's got to be something more. And I mean, the first time I saw it, I saw awful. Yeah, that's so sad because I'm like, that is all of us, though. Like, we know deep down that there's more to all these things and we're chasing, but we're just so blind to see what the like easy solution is. And I have to do that like every day, like reorient my heart to saying like, I'm not going to chase these other things. Like I want to seek after Jesus. And how many stories have we seen of that though? I think that's what's so interesting about the human condition is like, 
there's so many. I mean, I recently saw the exact same thing kind of from Dak Shepard. Oh, yeah. He said the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. He's like, if I had written down my dream of a life on a piece of paper, I have all of that. I have all of that and more. And I'm still unhappy. I still feel like something's missing. And so I'm like, we've all heard that. We've all heard the problem and people confess the problem. But then we, for some reason, still want to chase that and think that that's going to satisfy us, even though it's not satisfied a billion other people. Right. Yeah. I wrote down this quote. It's from Jim Carrey. He said, I think everyone should get rich and famous and do everything they've ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. And it's like, yeah, then you can start saying, well, like, of course, they're all unhappy. They're like money just ruins you or fame ruins you or whatever. But I think that in little ways, we all are in that same position. Like if it's not money and success, like, well, good for you that you don't idolize that. Like that's actually really hard in today's culture. But like, I guarantee you there's something else that you idolize that if you got that, it would feel the same way. Okay, so we kind of just like always are turning. We know this is true. Like we can all talk about this, but then we're still turning to all these other things to fulfill us. Like I think spirituality in a sense, like whether you want to say it's Christian belief or not is really popular right now. It's like people understand. It's almost like the cool thing. Like, of course you're spiritual. Like, yeah, you got to turn. We have to search for truer meaning in life. And we pour ourselves into making a life that like seems happy on the outside, but leaves us like really discontent still. You remember that lady that we shared about, I think when we were talking about, it was the horoscopes and and she was like really a big part of the like yoga meditation movement. She was like a thought leader, like wrote a bunch of books and she from the outside side seemed like, wow, this woman is so in light. Like, I think I picture that like these people, I don't need money. I don't need success, but I want to be enlightened. Like I want to like know myself better than anyone else around me. Like I want to be so connected to the spiritual world that it's like, okay, you get that and you still realize you're missing something. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think it takes me back to that conversation and others that we've had. I think the idea of spirituality is also like if you don't have a relationship with Jesus or don't believe in God, then that turns into like, but I do know something larger is affecting what's happening around me. So again, going back to our innate desire to feel seen, known, and loved, you and I believe like that's not a coincidence. That's because we were created by a creator who made us to be seen, known, and loved. In the same way, I think we were also created with the desire and understanding that like something more and something better and something greater than us is in control. And we have the pleasure and awesomeness of like understanding, no, that's God. Like God is sovereign. God reigns in my life. But we're in the spirit spirituality world. It's like, well, the universe is that. Or yeah, me being enlightened is that. Which I just think, again, it's like this own human condition that like we're all craving the same thing. But then these people who find it in the universe are then still unfulfilled. Yeah, yeah. So sad. There's so, so many weird. avenues that you can be seeking. And I... I just wanted to list all this out because it's like crazy when you think about it, that our culture is more burnt out, more lonely, more in debt, more disordered in our eating, more depressed, more anxious, more hypersensitive, more desperate to be loved, more decisive than ever before. But we have more ways to find ourselves than ever before, too. Quote unquote, find ourselves. <laughs> Literally find ourselves. Like 
We have access to every therapist. I mean, there's like the online therapist now. If you don't want to go into an office, you could go to any yoga retreat in Bali to go escape, find yourself. Every drug you'd want to take to like search deep into your soul. Every travel opportunity. I mean, you know, not everyone can afford, but like you can go see the world in ways. You can search the world to find better meaning. You have opportunities to get degrees and have careers that people in the past never had before. Every personality test to help us discover. It's like we have all of these things and listen to those things I said, like so burnt out, so lonely. So and I mean, we have all of it. What's wrong? So we've obviously mentioned it and you guys know listening to the podcast. The problem is, like we've said many times already, that we're not looking to the creator to worship us. We're looking to all these things to worship them, thinking that will be our answer. So yeah, we've already mentioned this, but just repeating, like everyone has an innate desire. That there's something more to them than just themselves, but we have to look to Jesus to find our purpose and like why we matter in life because these things are really not going to do it. You know, even if you're not spiritual, I think you still find something, whether it's like your family or your career to try to like prescribe this meaning to your life. Like you hear people say that, like oh, for sure. you have to find something in life to give you purpose. And again, reiterating, because I just don't want people to hear something that we're not saying, but self-discovery, like we said in the beginning, isn't wrong, but you have to acknowledge that you have a creator and you have to humble yourself in that purpose of being like, well, I'm not just discovering like me as this amazing, very like dynamic person like I'm not just discovering that as like this blob that came to earth but like that someone designed me that way and so I want to lean into that someone made and knew you intimately and so you weren't created to worship and serve yourself but worship the creator and it's so weird that we even sometimes have to like go into this because if you're following Jesus and reading scripture like again and again it actually says like you have to deny yourself. I mean, we've said this on a million different episodes. Like, you don't get to worship yourself. Like, you're not just following God to get the benefits. Like, he's asking you to put things aside. Was it last Sunday our pastor preached and we thought it, like, applied a lot to— the Two Sundays ago, Two maybe. Sundays ago yeah. where he talked through—was it the, not the Sunday where he said, like, if you're not like sacrificing— the pie and the pie crust? Yeah, like, here are all the pieces of your pie, and then what is the crust that's, like, holding all those things together? No, that's not oh, the one I was going to use, never but that's mind. a good one too. Yep. I was going to say like where he said, you have to ask the question in your life, like what does following Jesus cost me? Like where is there sacrifice in your life? And if you can't name how you have to sacrifice, then you're probably not genuinely following Jesus. And sorry to steal that from Keith, but like it's great wisdom that I'm sure he would love for us to pass on more, but like really sit in that. Like what are you sacrificing? You sometimes, actually oftentimes, maybe most times have to sacrifice yourself and the ways that, you know, you can hold these dreams and desires for your life in one hand. But if that doesn't align with what God is calling you to or asking you to, you are asked to put those things to the side. And that, to me, is where culture goes like a red flag on Christianity because they believe then if you're denying yourself of what you ultimately think you deserve and want and achieve that you're going to be unhappy. But we see it flipped. Like it, it's hard in our minds to understand, but like we see it the opposite. Like if you are following and pursuing Jesus, that is truly where true joy comes from. But again, culture would tell you it's the opposite. You're denying yourself too much and you deserve the best. Mm -hmm. It's so well, wild. And I think I just like want to unpack some of these because I'm sitting here thinking of the, I mean, myself, I'm not excluding myself from this, but I'm thinking of the listener who is just like, oh, I don't really like struggle with this. Or even as myself, I'm like, yeah, I try to have a lot of humility. I totally understand like I'm created by a creator. I'm going to deny myself of things. 
But then the day starts and I'm thinking, oh, shoot, how do I do this? I do this when my kids disobey me. And I think I deserve obedient kids. I do this when I have broken relationships with people. And I think I deserve to have harmony in all of my relationships. Like I shouldn't have discourse with this person. I do this in how my husband may disagree with me. And I'm like, I deserve a husband who is on the same page 100% of the time and always champions every single one of my ideas. I do this in my work situations or my career opportunities that I think, oh gosh, I deserve every opportunity and I deserve to get paid the most money out of anyone I know. I mean, like, I literally am saying those things out of like, we all do this in ways that like are so little. Like, I mean, I think in those minds, those are fleeting thoughts in my mind. But those are actually painting the trajectory that I actually am like placing the foundation that then I'm expecting to build my life on when my foundation is already built on a misalignment of what truth says and what God has created me to do yeah. and be. Oh, I'm glad you shared it's those so examples. Hard. Yeah, it's it so is hard. hard. Yeah, it's hard. But yeah, I hope this is like spurring on ideas as we're talking. I wanted to read Romans 8, 6 through 16. And I did something a little crazy. I got it from the message. Ooh. Because if you don't know anything about different Bible translations, there's certain ones that are like considered to be more like closely accurate. And the message was a newer translation that came out that when you read it, it speaks kind of like how we talk talk nowadays more like conversation yeah and so like if i'm studying scripture like maybe you don't want to be like studying the message translation but i do think sometimes it puts certain scripture in a way that's like really digestible and i like how it said this so i'll read it's starting in verse six it says obsession with self in these matters is a dead end attention to god leads us out into the open into a spacious free life focusing on the self is the opposite of focusing on god Anyone completely absorbed in self ignores God, ends up thinking more about self than God. That person ignores who God is and what he is doing. And God isn't pleased at being ignored. But if God himself has taken up residence in your life, you can hardly be thinking more of yourself than of him. Anyone, of course, who has not welcomed this invisible but clearly present God, the Spirit of Christ, won't know what we're talking about. But for you who welcome him in whom he dwells, even though you still experience all the limitations of sin, you yourself experience life on God's terms. Oh, that like provides me so much peace. It stands to reason, doesn't it? That if we are alive and present, God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life. He'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus, bringing you alive to himself. When God lives and breathes into you, and he does as surely as he does in Jesus, you are delivered from that dead life. With his spirit living in you, your body will become alive as Christ. So don't you see that what we don't owe this old do-it-yourself life, one red cent. There's nothing in it for us, nothing at all. The best thing we can do is give it a decent burial and get on with your new life. God's spirit beckons. There are things to do and places to go. This resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant, greeting God with a childlike, What's next, Papa? God's spirit. Sorry, that's kind of weird. I keep that in there because like I need people to acknowledge that like that was uncomfortable. <laughs> God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. Let me say that again. Verse 16. God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. We know who he is and we know who we are. Father and children. 
so good. So good. Maybe we should just end there. It is so good. But that's so good. Yeah. And I loved, I did go back and like read it in my ESV. And of course, like it's saying the same thing, but I love how that's displayed. So maybe I'll post that, the message version of it on slides on our Instagram so you can keep like going back to it. And I was thinking right when I knew I was going to be doing this episode on self, the first person that popped into my mind, I told, I don't know if I said it on the podcast, but I was telling you how I've been like spending more time in Psalms lately and how King David wrote these Psalms and we see his like ups and downs in life and the way that he's worshiping and grieving and just like doing it all with God right there and being so intimate with him. But I immediately thought of him when I was thinking of like, who's really selfish in the Bible? I mean, a lot of them because they constantly, you know, like all of us were wanting to do their own thing. But I immediately thought of David because he was described as a wise, obedient man who God actually called a man after my own heart. Like the only description like that in the Bible was of David. But he was also a man with a selfish attitude that caused him to seek fulfillment in his own pleasure without any regard to the cost he would pay. And so what that meant for him is that he selfishly pursued his own pleasure, which caused him to sin with Bathsheba. And then his selfishness then led him to lie and eventually murder someone. And so God had to punish him by sending his own prophet, Nathan, to expose the sin of David and to announce his judgment upon him. So God lovingly didn't let him like continue down that path was like I'm stopping you right there I'm bringing this to light isn't it the worst when like you know something has been hidden and then it gets brought to light and you're like it's not it's like this catch-22 of feeling like honestly relieved like haven't you ever been like I'm thinking more when I was young like when you've lied about something and there is such a relief when like someone finds you yeah, out it's almost like the weight of the lie or the weight of the sin you're like I know this isn't right but this is like weighing on me so bad but then when it like comes to light you're like well, I can actually feel like kind of a relief in this, but you're like, well, crap, but there is relief. Yeah. It's so weird. Yeah. So we're like David, where we're just constantly pursuing our own pleasure without thinking through like the consequences or the impact that our actions have, not just on us and our lives, but on others too. Like, don't you see that we live in this culture now that it's like, well, I'm going to do what's best for me. And there's no thought of like, well, how's this going to impact others around me? Am I going to be like loving those around me? Am I sacrificing anything to make sure that people around me then are being loved and cared for? So I couldn't think of any, I mean, there's a million, like I love those examples you shared and I think ditto to all those, but I was thinking about something like when was it really hard for me to do something that I knew God wanted me to do differently. And I don't know if I've shared this, but we going back like years ago after we had had our first like pregnancy loss at around 18 weeks, we started seeing a lot of like fertility doctors and specialists in other cities, like bigger cities around us. And we quickly found out that I would be considered like the most premier candidate for surrogacy because I was getting pregnant and I had some eggs that were like healthy that they could then, you know, create embryos out of and someone else could carry the child. Like my problem is my womb just like has so much scar tissue and yeah, my uterus like is filled with scar tissue. And so like someone else has this healthy uterus that they could then carry my child and Justin and I could have our like biological child. And we prayed about it and thought through it. And it's a huge financial commitment. And we were pursuing it. I mean, we started, I'll never forget, we were like driving to Arkansas for Christmas. And I got a phone call from the clinic. And they were giving me my like rundown because you basically start you do like the first half of what it would be like going through IVF. So they were letting me know that like right after Christmas in January, like I would go pick up all my shots and I would like start the process. And they were telling me my appointments and 
she's telling me all this and there was just this like little nudging of like no, 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 this is wrong. This is wrong. And we had even sought out a lot of, like we had talked to pastors at our church. Like we just didn't really know anyone who had done surrogacy. I mean, I was 22 at the time. I just was like, yeah, these doctors are telling me that this is so great. And like, they're so excited that there's this option for me. Like what could be wrong? Like we, you know, are taking advantage of medical technology that God provided. And I want to say this, like if you have done surrogacy or like I'm not saying that it is wrong for everyone. Like everyone has to make their own decision. Ultimately, pastors were like, hey, it's not something black and white. Here's what you need to think through and pray through and then ultimately make your best decision. But for Justin and I, we knew that we were pushing something that was like, honestly, and again, I don't think this is wrong. It was like, okay, spending all this money to get a child that looks like us and is biologically ours. When we knew deep down, God was like pressing adoption on our heart. And there was grief that had to go through of like, okay, it's different when you're not going to have a biological child. But I hung up that phone call and I like took a breath because like we had already paid some money. Like we were in the process starting it. And I was like, I don't think we should do this. And it was so weird. Justin just like let out this big sigh. He was like, me either. He like, God had so like connected our hearts to know that that wasn't right. He was like, I've been feeling like that for the last few days. And I've been really scared to tell you because I mean, that would just be so earth shattering that if me and my husband were on it, like a different page on that. And I remember us being like, okay. And we literally called them back and we're like, we're stopping it. And they were just like so confused. And we're like, we're going to start the adoption process. And I remember we like showed up at my parents' house and we're like, hey, we're not going to do surrogacy anymore. Like you thought we were going to start that process. And again, like it was hard for me because I wanted that. Like I wanted a biological child, just like all of us have the desire to have. And I even remember then two years later, after my first daughter was adopted, when we were considering going into the adoption process again, we revisited that thought and we were able to like really process some things with our pastor. And I remember being really angry with him and being like, okay, I know you're saying like, we all feel like God is calling us to adopt again, but like, it's not you like walking through it. It's really hard. Like it's easy to tell someone what they feel like they should or shouldn't do. Like when it's not you going through it and like, you're not the one experiencing the pain or like thinking through it. And again, ultimately like Justin was like way more firm still in like our path to adoption, but it was like good for me to sort all that out. But again, it was a time where I was like, do I care more about just having a biological child than I care about what I know God's like plan for building our family is. Mm -hmm. And I finally like in prayer one day alone, like felt that. And I was like, yeah, no, like for whatever reason, like I know God's plan for us is to adopt more children to add to our family. And I would be being disobedient if I was trying to like alter it to work in my own way and in my own timeline. Like there was so much more control with surrogacy and like all these things. And so that's kind of just like a personal time that I feel like I had to put aside what I felt in the moment would bring me more happiness. And I'm so like, of course, I wouldn't have changed anything now. Like that's the kids we're supposed to have. But yeah, I don't know if you have any moments like that in life. Yeah, I mean, yours was like so good. I'm like, oh, shoot. I honestly mostly thought of, you guys know on the podcast, we all know each other well, but I'm an achiever and I like to achieve things and chase things. And to be honest, early on in my career, I had 
an awesome job. I was kind of dying at the end of my job, but had an awesome job making a lot of money, felt really successful. People in the city thought really highly of me. I was just climbing a ladder really quickly. And I remember this feeling and kind of just obsession with it and quickly recognized that and thought, well, like I need to do something different, but I love this so much. And like God did create me with like a passion and the ability to do this. So I was like, I remember just being like in turmoil for a while. And I will tell you, my situation was like so long. And I hope that encourages people of like, I don't think this understanding or just like, I don't think you maybe see the truth from one day to one day, but it was just so good for me. I now look at my life and I left that job, got another job, was really humbled in that role, decided then to get a job at our church and took a huge financial cut. I remember people being like, are you sure? Like, why are you doing that? But I just felt really secure about it for some reason. I was like, okay, I think this is the next like faithful step. This is what I'm going to do. I'm really excited about it. And to this day, I think about my life that Andrew and I talk about while we couldn't have the family that we have. If I was still in that role, we couldn't serve how we want to serve. We wouldn't have the community we have. Maybe we'd live in a bigger house. We'd probably be able to like do more vacations. We'd probably do other things. But literally it has been a process. I mean, I sometimes even look at this like podcast or have a wedding planning business and all these things. I have other passions other than my job. And I have recognized like, oh, I wouldn't be able to do any of that if I was still in that role. I wouldn't be able to do what we do just like relationally. Like I wouldn't be able to get coffee with as many friends or just like go on a walk with a friend on a trail. Like I know it sounds so really dumb, but it has been, you and I have talked about this obviously, but like it has genuinely been probably five years of me recognizing, oh, like thank you God for allowing me to recognize I had to like die to what I thought I wanted so badly. I knew something was wrong about it. Well, you were very stressed out too. Like that would be another level of it. Like it was constantly stressing you out. For sure. Like I was so tired, so stressed out. I mean, we only had one child at the time. And, you know, I was like six months in and I was like literally dying of tiredness and all the things. But it's just been really cool to see God's faithfulness and being like, oh, I actually have more life because I died to myself. And I know that sounds really dramatic. It's just a job. But genuinely, so much of my identity was tied up in that. And still even now, I almost try to justify it in my mind. And I literally have to go back to, but it's not about me. I'm getting humbled every day still. And I know it's not, that sounds lame compared to your example, but no, it it's doesn't. literally so true in my we life. It's like, those. oh, wow. I have really, yeah, just been taught a lot by God in his sovereignty in that area mm-hmm. of my life. And I'm sure as you're listening to this right now, like maybe some things like that in, are coming to mind in your life. And like, you know, again, one thing I like want to point out that like is so clear in both of our stories is like culture would say we both made the wrong decision. Culture would say like, are you kidding? Like you had the chance that you could have like a biological child. Like that's what you need to do in life. Like that's ultimate or like for you, like you could have been really like think about where you could be now if you stuck with that job. But it's like we are doing something countercultural that deep down we have so much now freedom and like peace about Mm -hmm. because we followed like God's will for our life. And again, if you're working in some big career job, that doesn't mean you need to quit your job. Like we all have certain things that are pressed upon us that like, again, we use those like escape things to just ignore or push away. And Yeah, just like wrapping up, it's like when we give God every part of ourselves, we're able to be fulfilled in ways that we could never be when we're just like doing it alone. And we're able to see what God created us for and step into our like, quote unquote, true purpose like that. He gives us our purpose. And I just think like we can't really fully worship and serve God if he can't have 
and know every part of us. And so that starts with ourselves and like, yeah, knowing ourselves through knowing Jesus. I think like we said in both of our examples, like following Jesus really does ask us to put ourselves aside in our own wants and needs and desires and ask God like what he wants from our lives. So just kind of leaving you with one question, like as you're listening to this whole series and specifically this episode, I want you to like look at your life and ask yourself, what ways am I being selfish? What ways am I keeping parts of who I am from God? Are we grasping on to certain dreams or habits or plans just because it's like really what we want to do, even though we know God has asked them to let them go? Are we being open-handed about what's next? And that can be a scary thing to ask because I think when we ask those things and when we really look into it, like you said here, like your husband, just like, why do we have to look in the past? Like, let me just move forward. It's like, no, we have to recognize those things. So then we can like see what God is revealing and then move forward in faith with that. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a good series I'm for so us. I'm so excited. Yes. It's, yeah. It's like we always say, we're learning and discovering these things along with you guys. So I hope that you never hear us like just because we are, you know, communicating this to you guys. Like we are figuring it out too, and we are being convicted and sharpened in these things as well. Yeah. And like we said from the very beginning, we wanted to go through this series kind of like inward to outward. So join us next week for more kind of moving outward from ourselves to then how that impacts others and more of our life. Hey, thanks for going there with us. If you loved what you heard, don't forget to follow along with us at Going There, the podcast. And it also means so much to us if you subscribe to our podcast and shared it with a friend. Talk to you soon.